When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This season has played out pretty much exactly like most people thought it would for Penn State, which is sitting here 5-0 going into the bye week. Undefeated, ranked number six in the country with a tremendous chance to get to the college football playoff. It is a two-game season against Ohio State and Michigan. And then we'll judge Penn State based on those two games. Primarily Maryland, maybe. We'll see, you know, how much of a challenge that could be. Okay, so the discussion, though, is how good is this Penn State team really? And we're talking about the offense here. Versus how much it even matters. Okay, so to kind of put it in a nutshell... I'll ask you the question. Are we nitpicking when we, all of us in the media and a vast majority of fans are talking so much about and and sounding overly concerned about the offense? Is that nitpicking or is it a legitimate concern or is it somewhere in between? I believe most things in life fall into that gray area it's not just completely one side or completely the other side that there are a lot of there's a lot of middle ground in most subjects i was the one after the game saturday that asked james franklin basically what everyone wants to ask james franklin hey your defense is great but your offense hasn't quite shown what a lot of people thought your offense would show so how do you balance these things? How, how, how are we to view this Penn State team? Again, that's the question that's on everybody's mind. And James Franklin understood the question. He said, hey, it's a good point. And then he talked about, I can give you a bunch of stats that show that our offense is doing things that lots of other programs in the country would love to do. But at the end of the day, we've still got to find a way to you know, figure out these issues or these issues and certainly be more explosive. And those, those are all the points that James Franklin talked about. So what I want to get at here today is the whole nitpicking versus realistic concern debate. Um, I, I happen to think Penn State has some pretty serious issues on offense. For me personally, I don't think this is just nitpicking. And wondering, okay, how's this going to work against Ohio State? How's it going to work against Michigan? I just particularly, me, me personally, I don't think this offense has been very good in particular outside of, you know, a few long drives here and there. It's not very consistent, but the things that <clears throat> concern me the most is the complete lack of even trying to go deep in the passing game. <laughs> 
It wasn't until late in that game at Northwestern when Drew Aller threw a deep pass to the end zone to Dante Cephas and barely overthrew him. Uh, it was out, it was out of the back of the end zone. That was the first deep shot Penn State's really taken all year. I mean, really, if you think about it, first deep shot that the passing game has had, and it took deep into game five. Now, they're still beating everybody, right? They're still scoring 30 points a game, right? 12 consecutive games of 30 points, longest streak in the country, right? Number six team in the country, right? Chance to go to the college football playoff, right? So this is just nitpicking, huh? Well, no, I don't think it is because just in a nutshell or in a, in a, in a bubble, I don't think Penn State's passing game is really all that good at all. And it's not just, hey, is this going to work against Ohio State? Is this going to work against Michigan? To me, it's just, it's just been a disappointing passing game in general. Drew Aller came out and threw for 325 yards and three touchdowns in the game against West Virginia. And then basically, with a kind of a fluky 70 yard touchdown in there on a broken play. After that, you know, this passing game has been pedestrian at best. And does it matter because they're still beating everybody? But look, they won 41 13. We do have to keep some perspective here. But the defense is so freaking good. And sets up the offense so much that the real concern is what happens if the defense gets in a game where it's not necessarily just dominating or isn't forcing turnovers and it's just kind of a mano a mano game and now the offense has to win a game. That's the concern because quite frankly, I don't think this offense is overly good right now. Two on two plays. Either, either on the first possession or the first couple of possessions, there were two plays where Drew Aller could have taken a shot 20 to 30 yards down the field had he kind of looked that way and decided to. And on both plays, he ended up taking kind of a check down route on a short throw. I believe, I believe both of them were on the very first series of the game. At some point, we have to question Drew Aller and his level of, hey, I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to try to do something because it is there. These plays have been there. Remember the game a couple of game, weeks ago, Illinois, KLS was running up the field with his hand hand up. He was wide open. Would have been a touchdown. Drew either didn't see it in time or didn't go that route. Okay. So how are we, what are we to make of Drew Aller in these spots? Is he being too tentative? Has it been ingrained in him so much to not turn the ball over that you're just not going to take any shots at all? That even if it's there, just check it down? Again, folks, they're 5-0. and They're the number six team in the country. They've scored 30 points in 12 consecutive games. I get it. I understand where coaches and players might say, what the hell are you guys talking about in the media? You guys don't know Jack. We're winning every game comfortably. Back off of the criticism. Do you think Penn State's offense is really good? I mean, what it comes down to basically is what are they doing? If we can, if we just judge things in a bubble, what are they doing offensively that would lead somebody to think, Oh, this is a really dangerous attack. I'm scared to play Penn State's offense. 
the quarterback who has not turned the ball over yet, and that is a sensational stat through five games as a starter, and then even last year he didn't have any turnovers. Drew Aller is exceptional at not turning the ball over, but he's not taking any chances at all. If you're just going to throw the check down or the short throw on 90% of passes and your your yards per attempt is going to be way, way, way down, one of the lowest figures in the country, sure, you can be proud of not turning the ball over, but does that, but does that make you effective? You're not putting the fear of God into any of these defenses. I keep saying, I've said this for weeks, I don't think the defenders, I don't think defenses respect Penn State's receivers that they can, one, beat them deep, or two, that they're even going to try. And then you add in the element that the quarterback seems hesitant and tentative to take those shots when sometimes they're there because he just wants to throw it short. Does this sound like I'm being overly critical of Drew Aller? Maybe more so than what I want it to, because again, I do think that there's a tremendous premium put on ball security, but you got to show something. Prove it to yourself, prove it to opposing teams that you can get the ball down the field if you need to or if you want to. I don't, I just don't even think this is, I guess, my biggest issue. Pizzi doesn't even look like it wants to. So we hear from James Franklin at every press conference, every single press conference got to be more explosive. Every Tuesday after games, he talks about the explosive plays. When he's asked after games, he says we got to be more explosive. They're not even trying. So why is this? Is Mike Yersich not calling or forcing, hey, throw the ball, throw it deep. Whatever you've got, throw a 50-50 ball. If you throw an interception, so what? Or are they just saying, hey, just take what the defense gives you, take what the defense gives you, take what what the defense gives you. That, to me, is an interesting dynamic because you do have a young quarterback that you're trying to instill confidence in him, and he certainly – is doing a fantastic job by not turning the ball over. But are we seeing, I mean, do you need a five-star quarterback to run this offense? No, you you can run this kind of offense with anybody who's just willing to check down all the time. I want to see Drew Aller take some chances. I want to see him say, I'm going to give it a shot. And if I throw an interception, so what? It's not the end of the world because the defense is phenomenal. And that's really what it gets back to the overlying question of, are we just nitpicking or are these realistic concerns? Penn State can beat all these teams, save for Ohio State and Michigan, because their defense is just so good. And so why does the offense really even have to try anything? Well, maybe to start feeling confident and better about what it is that you can do as an offense. Because there's going to come a point against Ohio State and Michigan where they're going to have to move the ball and prove that they can do it in different ways than what we've seen. And just because they haven't done it just yet does not mean that they can't. But they haven't done it yet, nor have they really even tried yet. And this ultra-conservative offense from a passing game standpoint is just so unusual compared to what we've seen and, quite frankly, what we have heard and continue to hear from James Franklin about their uh, their uh, feeling that they want to be explosive. The running game is certainly not explosive. 
and, and all this goes back hand in hand. I've been talking about this for weeks. If the receivers aren't beating you down the field and the defenders can put more hats in the box, and then it's going to make it tougher for your running game. You got Penn State's running backs averaging 3.8 yards per rush against Northwestern, which went into that game last in the Big Ten and run defense. These are concerns. That's not nitpicking. That's not nitpicking. That's a legitimate concern. If you're averaging 3.8 yards per carry against Northwestern and you're not going to throw the ball deep, what are you going to do offensively against Ohio State and Michigan? Are you just going to rely on your defense to be phenomenal and try to win a 10 to 7 game, a 13 to 10 game? Hey, maybe so. Maybe so. That's what happened Notre Dame against Ohio State. It was 14 to 10 till the uh, three seconds to go and Ohio State scored to win the game 17 to 10 on the last play of the game. Is that what we're going to see Penn State versus Ohio State? Is that what we're going to see Penn State versus Michigan? Maybe so. Maybe, oh my God, I can't believe I'm about to say Maybe there's a little bit of an Iowa perspective in there that, you know, the defense is so great, don't even risk anything on offense. Just let the defense control the game, and every now and then, if you get an opportunity on offense, do that. So should we be concerned about that? Is it nitpicking? Uh, Me personally, I find it more of a concern because I just don't think this offense has shown us anywhere near enough the first five games for me to think they're going to beat Ohio State or Michigan in that kind of game. All right, welcome back. Now, the flip side to everything I just discussed in the first segment is the reality that Penn State's defense is fantastic. Really the best defense in the country. The downside is the top three scoring defenses in the country are Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Go figure. That's just the way things go. But clearly the way this defense plays allows James Franklin, Mike Yersich, Manny Diaz to come up with a game plan that the team can still win very comfortably, even while looking pedestrian on offense. I want to revisit something that was a little bit of a a discussion point in the preseason, and that was whether or not this is the year that Penn State needs to make this happen. It kind of came out in the form of 11 and 1 or bust, you know, college football playoff or bust, national championship or bust, that kind of thing. Clearly, Penn State's got a two year window here with Drew Aller. So, my default position at the beginning of the year was that no, this isn't really an 11 and 1 or bust kind of season. You still have got next year. You'll still have Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter. You'll have all those guys back next year. They're all stars. But I don't think Manny Diaz is going to be back. Certainly, you'll lose Chop Robinson, Kalen King to the NFL. The Manny Diaz component changes the really whole ordeal for me in terms of is this the year they've got to get this done? Now, no matter 
what I say now or what we think for the next couple months, they'll still have a good team next year. They'll be ranked in the top 10 going into next year, and they'll have an opportunity next season if things go well. But I am kind of beginning to think more and more that this is the season they've got to get it done because we all know Manny Diaz is just waiting for whatever good opportunity comes along to be a head coach. And as long as Penn State continues to play excellent defense this year, you know Manny Diaz's name will come up at some point in the offseason. Now, I was surprised that really the only the only job that Manny was mentioned much for last offseason was South Florida. And that's you know that's not really uh, a great job, and he didn't get that job, whether or not they didn't want him or he pulled out or whatever. Who, who knows exactly what went on? Man, he's got my uh, Florida ties. Maybe he's just looking for a very, very specific situation. He makes about $2 million a year, we believe, at Penn State. So he has even said he can be selective. Okay, but back to the bigger picture of why I think maybe this has to be the year. Well, you've got Manny Diaz there. You've got Chop Robinson. You've got Kalen King. These are first-round potential draft picks and maybe the best defensive coordinator they've had. I mean, you know, has there been a better defensive coordinator than Manny Diaz at Penn State? I know we're just in year two, and that's a gigantic question. Maybe we can go down that path at some point. The bottom line is him coming back this year was an enormous move for Penn State. And this team, the way this team is set up, the way this team is playing, they are relying on their defense to just shut people down, which means that they know the offense does not necessarily have to, you know, carry a a big uh, share of the burden. So if I were to ask you right now, given everything that you know, even with everybody that's going to be back, if the possibility of Manny Diaz not coming back next year, and certainly they'll lose Chop Robinson and Kalen King, is this the year Penn State's got to get this done? Now, we're not, we're not going to know the answer to this for 15, 16 more months, you know, by the end of next year, you know, when the playoff rolls around in 2012, 2024. And they should make the playoff in a 12-team field. You know, even if they go 10 and 2 next year, they should be in a playoff. But again, I'm, I'm talking about the reality of having a chance to win it all. Georgia's not great. I think Texas is great. Ohio State's down. I, I, if I had to pick a team to win the national championship right now today, it'd be Michigan. I think Michigan is the best team in the country right now today. Okay. But as of right now, Michigan's a two and a half point favorite against Penn State when they come to Beaver Stadium on November 11th. So basically, we're talking about a very slim margin between this Penn State team and what just might be the best team in the country in Michigan. Ohio State is down. Clearly, they do not have the kind of offense and quarterback that they've had basically forever. So Penn State's got to go there here in a few weeks. But that's a winnable game. It's 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 definitely a winnable game with this as dominant as Penn State's defense has been and can be. Now, look, Ohio State's defense is really good, too. I'm not sure Penn State's offense is going to go in there and do a whole heck of a lot in Columbus. But you get what I'm saying. The opportunity is there this year. You've got the pieces in place on defense. That is so. There are so many good pieces in place that the offense can be mediocre, maybe, 
and still blow people out. Is that going to be the case next year? Especially if Manny Diaz leaves. So I am kind of revisiting my whole notion of, uh, you know, they better get it done this year or else it may not happen because, you know, just who knows how things will play out. Maybe there's two, three more dominant teams in the country next year. Maybe there's not. Who knows? When you get to a 12 team playoff, now you got to win a handful of games to advance and have a shot to win it all. As it stands this year, you get in, you only got to win two games to win the title. And with a defense like Penn State's, I'll take my chances with that that defense against anybody. Now, the offense is going to have to do enough, but I'll take my chances with the defense this season with Manny Diaz in charge. Will he be in charge next year? Don't know. Which is a big reason why I've kind of changed my, I'm changing my tune a little bit that they're going to have to get it done this year. Welcome to our third and final segment this week. Penn State's got a bye. Uh, we'll hear from Mike Yersich, Manny Diaz on Tuesday. You'll read and hear a lot of stories about what uh, the offensive and defensive coordinators are thinking. I'm sure we'll see a whole bunch over the next couple of days of uh, news and analysis of what Mike Yersich says. I will have that. Um, this week at DK Pittsburgh Sports as well. Then there's a bye on Saturday. What do you do on bye weekends? I'm curious what you, how you, the fans, spend your bye. Because if you go to Penn State games, you know, that's an all-day affair. You know, with the tailgating and getting up there and uh, fighting the traffic and, and getting back home. If, you, if you're if you a Penn State fan when the team's on the road, you're still planning your whole Saturday around whatever you're, you know, how, however you're going to watch the game. When the Lions are on a bye, what do you do? Do you still watch college football all day? Do you get out and do more yard work? Do you try to finish up the yard work for the uh, for the fall? You go to a wedding. I know a lot of people that schedule either their weddings or other, you know, they, they have friends who have weddings on a, a bye weekend. Uh, and I know with, you know, some schedule wranglings over the past couple of years, people who may have had, uh, a wedding or something planned at some point ended up having to change things or had, things were changed on them when uh, schedules were changed by the Big Ten. So it can be pretty wacky because, look, we all try to make plans for what we're doing. I, for one, for most of the day on Saturday during a bye week, I really just avoid football. I try to uh, spend more time with the family in the neighborhood or go somewhere or what have you. Usually later at night, I'll watch a couple of games on TV later at night because, uh, you know, when you're, when you're covering a team, your whole day is spent uh, on the team. I, I don't get to watch a lot of college football on a Saturday, you know, unless Penn State plays at a noon, at a noon game. And then I might get home and watch, you know, a good bit of the, the evening game on TV. But for the most part, I don't watch a lot of the games on Saturday, but uh, for a bye week, you know, I usually kind of kind of relax for most of the day, try to forget about football to a degree, and then catch up on whatever the important late game is on Saturday. This weekend, uh, 
My son's got a baseball tournament, so I'll be attending his baseball games. I probably won't be paying attention to college football at all uh, on Saturday. Again, unless there's some you know huge upset or something that that could impact Penn State. The, the, the Texas-Oklahoma game, that is a huge game. That has major implications potentially for Penn State because uh, if Texas wins that, I think Texas goes undefeated. If Oklahoma wins it, uh, I don't know. I still think Oklahoma could could lose that game. So there is still that question out there of if Penn State goes 11 and 1, could they still miss out on the playoff? Well, you need to pay attention to Texas versus Oklahoma. And really, quite frankly, I think if you're a Penn State fan, you probably want to be rooting for Oklahoma. Cuz if Texas wins that, that's a path to going undefeated and you got to figure Texas in, it could do that and get into the playoff. Georgia I think we'll go undefeated and get in the playoff. And then Florida State, anytime Florida State plays a tough opponent, you got to be paying attention to, to, to the Seminoles because that's three teams right there that if they go undefeated, then Penn State's path to the playoff gets much more difficult. They've got to beat Ohio State and Michigan, you'd have to think. So just curious what people do during the bye week uh, on Saturday if you kind of veg out, watch more college football uh, throughout the day. Or if you, you don't really watch much at all, or if you try to get some other things done, I always enjoy talking to people about what their whole fandom and schedule is kind of like. But enjoy the bye week. We'll still have coverage here, uh, throughout the week. Um, I'll have, uh, I'll have stories throughout the week, uh, on what Mike Yersich and Manny Diaz say and any news that's taking place. We'll have it in the Penn State feed at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Appreciate everybody for tuning in as always, and we'll catch up with you again next week. We'll be right back.